Welcome to Smith Weekly Discussions, an occasional program for our readers and listeners of Smith Weekly Research. Please note this program is a private discussion and everything contained herein is for entertainment and educational purposes only. With that, we hope you're in a comfortable position, along with your favorite beverage, to enjoy the discussion. We remind our audience to examine the show notes attached to each of our shows to better understand how our program functions. Before we get into our discussion, we want to say thanks for questions coming from our audience at Smith Weekly, including Nick J. Dale H. at Chainlink Wave, Jonathan D., Allie B., Terry P., Peter S., Andy W., and Luke A. We've got a new guest on the show today. We're joined by Dev Randawa, Chairman and CEO at Fission Uranium an Athabasca Basin-focused uranium development company working to advance the Triple R Uranium Deposit Patterson Lake South project. Vision Uranium is listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange under the symbol FCU and also on the U.S. OTC markets under the symbol FCUUF. Dev, thank you for coming on to the show. Well, thanks for having me. Well, Dev, we've had a high number of question flow come in from the audience. And I want to get to those as a large number of our mm-hmm. audience are generally up to speed on the bigger uranium market picture and, of course, mm-hmm. the leading companies in the sector. So I suspect we can't cover all the questions, but let's start sure. out by having you give us an overview of your background and where you are working today. Sure. Well, I uh, I mean, educationally, I after my MBA, I went to the banking sector quickly, and then I was primarily in the brokerage sector. And then. I was only for uh, about four or five years and then uh, took over a company called Strathmore and um, directed it into the area of uranium. Um, and thankfully, with some support from uh, guys like Rick Rule, back then Doug Casey, Bob Bishop, um, you know, we identified that that there was a large deficit in the, in the sector, that there was a lot of demand, very little supply. And we're trading on seven dollars a pound, so that's got me into the sector. And then uh, Strathmore. Um, then finally, we split the company in two in 2007: Canadian assets and U.S. assets. And I uh, eventually Fission Energy, where Ross McElroy and I got together, and uh, thankfully have made two major discoveries: one we sold to Denison, uh, one that we have got now. And so, not many. Expiration, like any uranium company ever slipped themselves four times what we have. So, in other words, if you look in your account today, if you own Strathmore, you have a share of inner energy fuels, Denison, Fission 3.0, and Fission Uranium. So, you know, we like to think we've built good shoulder base over that time. We've been able to work with utilities from Japan, Sumotomo and Strathmore. Um, I we brought them in. And um, same thing with Korean Electric Power companies for Fission Energy. And now we have an SOE from China, uh, CGN, who I consider the mothership of the industry. So we've been fortunate to have you know, good people on the ground, great partnerships with Asian partners, and then be able to sell assets um, as the opportunity came. And speak to the recent past few weeks in the uranium market, Dev. Um, you know, we've got Cigar off, we've got Rossi down, Hughes apps likely reduced. Is that yeah. a problem? Is slowing down, Port Hope suspended. Where are we here, Dev? Well, it's a daily thing. That's the crazy part. We all, you know, we all want clarity in life, but sometimes it's hard because things are out of our control. But to me, these closures um, are um, exposing the weakness 
in the strategies of Western utilities to rely on the on short-term um, uh, access to uh, uranium. So they, when I got in the business, uranium was literally short-term, uh, like the spot prices were maybe 10 to 15% of the, you know, the whole market was. There's 140 million pounds back then, that's 190, but maybe 20 million pounds a year would be on spot, and that was 50%. So like some somebody has said that Fukushima didn't, Drop demand for uranium. It changed the way um, contracting has been done. Um, the other thing is the big change would be is you know, Kazakhstan is about 40, 44 percent of the market. When I began, it was four percent. So there's been a lot of changes, and I think the way people contracting it changed. You know, had this been you know there was more discipline in the market, the closures wouldn't have had a huge impact. But now they're having a massive impact. Because um, over 54% of that spot market is going to be gone, is gone. And who knows if, like you say, Usab, Rossing, um, the big one, obviously, if it falls, but will have significant, that will be limping down. And it's about 500 kilometers from LA airport. So it's not, it's not, it's not close to any civilization, but who knows? Um, you know, it may not be they want to, but a lot of uh, medical issues. Um, for example, chemical, I understand. The reason they shut them down was that um, a lot of their workers, you know, they work on and off in the mines and they go back to their homes. But there are a lot of small communities that don't have good medical facilities. So the northern authorities said, hey, please shut this down. I mean, this is, makes the most sense because we can't have somebody come home with the virus if we don't have proper medical. So, you know, that's the reason they did it. And Tim's a pretty bright guy and they got a good team there. So um, anyway, I think if that continues i think you see a continuing tightening of the supply market and therefore the spot price to go much higher keep in mind that you know uh, the, the this yellow stuff uh uranium it's it's a very small part of the overall process of running a reactor and uh so whether it's 30 or 50 it doesn't really matter so you can't you know we can all jump on the utilities oh they're so short term but also it's a very small part of their process but it's just showing exposing that strategy as not being a good one when you have things that have a white, some people call this white swan event, whatever, um, when these kind of things happen. So anyways, as I said to you, a preamble that it's, it's, it's sad that, you know, it's like getting a job as a starting quarterback of a team if the, the head guy breaks his leg. You got to take the best of your opportunity to take advantage of the situation. So the COVID-19 um, has certainly, you know, shut down mines and etc and that's unfortunate people will die from it however uranium prices jumped up and you know we've um it's it's been good to get calls from brokerage firms saying they want to give you money um but we just did a, a loan facility uh with sprott so we're fine for now well let's see how it holds up dev i know initially there the equities got wasted along with the broad market during the panic stage um, right. However, maybe we're past that. Maybe we're not. We'll find out. I would suspect over the next few coming months. So I want to move on here. Let's get into fission. Um, I want to first start before we talk about the project stuff. I want to first start at the corporate level. Can you sure. speak to the cash that's on hand, the debt sure. status, the shares sure. outstanding, and then All also right. major shareholders at this point? We have about 500 million shares out. Our 20% owned by uh, SOE, uh, CGN Mining is uh, listed in Hong Kong. It's owned by CGN, the mothership, which makes reactors, 
it has everything in the world. You know, mine uranium in the Somme deposit, for example, they um, their plants. So they're they're I call them mothership of the industry. Um, that would then I would say we've got a. Uh, it's it's hard to know all the time, but I'd say 10, 15 percent that sits in London, maybe twenty, uh, maybe twenty five in Canada, certain percentage in the U.S. and also uh, over in um, Hong Kong. And that's kind of a general uh, shareholders. Sprott, I guess, would be up there through their various holdings. Um, well, I would say we have right now about $16 million in cash. Um, maybe I'm just saying, deducting everything out. Um, and we've got a loan for $10 million U.S. on the books. <clears throat> Anything else? No, I think that's it. So the, the, the $10 million <laughs> loan, that's in addition to the sixteen. No, no, no. That's part of our money. Yeah. Very well. So 16. Is Sprott, a, I suspect, a below a 10% holder? Yes. Yes, absolutely. I know they are because they're very careful about that. Um, and uh, But also some of them are, you, know, you got to keep in mind too, um, they'll have, a, they'll have um, shareholders who own shares, but that doesn't go towards Sprott either, right? That's not, they don't control that. If I own, have a brokerage account with them and I, or let's say you did, it wouldn't go towards their 10%. No. So no, they're, right. they're under 10%. Um, but there's been a lot of change, obviously, you know, and, you know, we've been working, I think that I, I think I, for, no, I think you talked earlier with some questions, but we've known about needing cash, but it's not been that easy. Somehow people, you know, people think it's a money tree out there. We've been trying to deal with this for about two years, you know, the GNA raising money, we've become quite aware of the situation. Um, but unfortunately, you know, the industry has been in absolute doldrums for some time and until literally uh, a month ago. Let's just speak about that for just a moment while we're on the, the corporate level sure. here. So the recent deal with Sprott is a four-year U.S. $10 million, 10% interest secured by project right. assets. And about right. $20 million four-year warrants were also given uh, right. at a strike, I believe, at $0.17. Cents. Why was this the most advantageous way to get capital? And second, why the right. high interest rate and were the warrants? Sure. why were the warrants provided just out of the money? Sure. Uh, well, first of all, uh, this deal was announced about three weeks after it was done. We signed a binding term sheet sometime before that, three, four weeks before that, when I think the stock is around, you know, 13, 15 cents. So it's easy. Hindsight's always perfect, right? Like we're all armchair quarterbacks after football on Sundays. Um, but that's not uncommon. We were to the equity that was being shown to us was very small like small amounts, you know, um, like two million, three million. There was nobody, there wasn't, okay, yeah, this is a, this is a weird idea that there were, people were sending us grapes and um, uh, and $10 million, we haven't had any. There's absolutely no money in this sector. How many financings did you see? Even the recent one with Denison, it was originally four million, 1.5 came from the insider alone. So there hasn't been a lot of money out there. And if you look at the, there were three, four choices out there, and um, 20 million sounds a lot, but we got 500 million shares out. It's not like we, you know, so plus I see it as a built-in financing. You know, if the stock goes up, which it is, it's a built-in, you know, $3.4 million in, in the bank. And that's good. Um, and they'll work with us. They've got, you know, Sprott is, uh, I mean, people don't watch them carefully enough, but they've picked up a, you know, quite a few billion dollars that come in their door through their, their gold fund. So 
eight, 10% is high, absolutely. But we're not a cash flow company. Um, we had another offer, but it meant giving up a stream, which we weren't prepared to do. And it was better than getting one or two million at a time. We went for this way. And we can pay them back, right? Um, which is good. And also, it's sometimes good to have somebody on the horns. They're built in. But I think, you know, I think the world of uh, the Sprott Group uh, was founded by a wonderful, very smart man, Eric Sprott. And they've got two great guys running it, Peter Groskoff, Rick Rule, and others. They've got a great team around them. So it's okay if they have it. They're professionals. They're not, you know, most of the money that uh, comes to you in this sector usually has been what they got debt spiral, right? Um, I call it death spiral. I think most of us, <laughs> you know, where they, <laughs> they say you can borrow from us. So 10% does seem high, and I agree. But if you go any lower than that, then you usually have to do what's called a convertible debenture. Um, and if you go like seven, eight percent, if you look at the loans that uh, were done at the top of the market, they were seven and a half, for example, and next gen is seven and a half. Um, some of the debt, I think, uh, this again, I'm just off my head, UEC, I think, is about eight, eight and a half, I think. So these aren't that far off. And uh, but let's 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 get realistic. And what was going on three, four weeks ago, right? What were the stocks doing? Well, the world was coming to an end, right? Uranium prices weren't moving up. So when Sprott agreed to do the deal, it wasn't. Uh, I'm, I was quite surprised in some ways that right at the bottom of that whole crisis, they said, "Okay, we're doing it." So that showed they had a lot of confidence in the sector and in our in our team. And so it's easy now to look at it and go, oh, your stock's 30 cents. Oh, what were you doing? <laughs> you know, it's, uh, I, I love the armchair critics who've never run a, a mining company before, let alone a successful one. You know, um, sometimes the things you don't control. But I think given the circumstances, now look back more than that, the deal was announced a week ago. So let's say over a month ago, right, we agreed and we signed a term sheet right in the worst time possible. Do I wish... I could have raised money higher, absolutely. But wishes don't pay the bills. We have to get money in. So we could have taken a lot of risks, but we also, we didn't want to announce the deal until the money was in the bank. We could have announced it, you know, weeks before that, but you know, you do this due, due diligence stage of documents and stuff. We could have, it could have fell apart when we look worse than ever. So we chose to wait till the money was actually wired into our accounts with the news release. And CGN, where were they? You guys had $6 million that uh, probably could have saw you through the end of the year. Where is CGN in all this? Was CGN even considered in this? Did they not want to participate? Oh, sure. They're a yeah. big group. They're not like going, they're not a broker, broker firm. They are a big group. You got to remember, we're owned by CGN. Money was owned by them. It's not as simple as, hey, pick up the phone. Um, and even... For example, they're, they're allowed to participate 20%. If, for example, um, Sprott exercises at 20 million shares, <laughs> they're allowed to buy. We, we give them an extra 60 days. Uh, maybe it's a 30 days to check the document, but they get so much time to keep their 20%. So, um, you know, we, we looked at all the options and which one was the quickest, and we knew that um, when we reached out to um, Sprott, they said instantly, yeah, we're interested, let's go. We just knew this was quick. Um, when you're dealing with SOEs, it's not quick. That's all I'm gonna say. It's just uh, they have a process, right? Okay. Um, and then you and you know about all the crazy stuff that happened and uh, in the previous years with conflicts of interest and stuff. So they 
are super, super careful in China when they do business with people. They just take a, they take a while to get it done. And here, Sprout was sitting there. Again, it's only 10 million US. Um, you know, our hope is that the uranium market continues and we raise, you know, hopefully 10, 10 20 million, pay some of that down. And um, we, we'll keep paying that down to the point where we don't have the interest payments. And, and the six million that you did have, would that have got you through the rest of the year, Dev, potentially to better conditions? Um, we only had about three and a half, four um, beginning of the year. Um, I don't know where the six comes from. I think it might be like because we're always behind. 16 minus 10. Oh, sorry. Uh, no, but your 10 is US. That's Canadian. Okay. Right? Either way. Well, I, I think uh, we could have, but. Um, the concern out there, you know, was that we would run out of money, but um, we could have, but I don't think you want to go down to the last uh, month or two. Um, you know, there's an old saying, you raise money when you can, not when you have to. And I always felt that if we got the debt, I, we would get offers for equity and we have. Can't say from whom or how much, but since that money has come in, we've been in a position to say no to the, some of the terms. You, you, you got to remember like, it gets pretty, um, you know, they're called underwriters, not overwriters, right? Um, and so, you know, we, we looked at everything from joint ventures to um, things with bigger companies. You know, we're pretty good terms with, you know, CGN, Camacos. Um, there's not a CEO in the business I don't know. We thought of many. It wasn't like this was the only thing we sat down on our asses all the time, waiting, you know, waiting for the money to go away. No. Plus, also, we've spent money. You have ongoing expenses on the project, whether you are not security-wise protecting it. You know, um, so you can't just. Uh, and you know, the other thing too is you have contracts with people, good people who made you help you make world-class discoveries. You have contracts with them. You can't just hey, hey, we're not going to pay you, right? Because they they can get the rest of their money. Um, so it's not as easy as you know people paint it out to be. It's like you're running a coal mine in China where you can lay people off and. It doesn't matter. It's not quite that simple. Yeah. So we've had to be careful. But, you know, on this GNA issue we've been criticized for, I would challenge anybody to compare my salary to the rest of the industry. I'm happy to do that. And if I'm wrong, prove me. Um, there are people making literally five times as much as me. Literally five times as much as me. Um, and yet, who else has won Northern Miner of Canada? Who's the one dealmaker of the year? Who's one's earning Young Wars? You know, who's... You know, but we we've yeah. been uh, we've always chosen to be lower paid, and if we succeed, we get bonuses. Unfortunately, there's been no bonuses for even when there's 82 million we got in at 85 cents, and the stock was 55. I never got a bonus because we felt that's that's an, and you'll see me. I'm always trying to buy stock, but I hadn't been able to buy stock for some time because you know since uh, middle of December we've been working on finding uh, money, and we were close. We could have accepted another deal, but we didn't. So it's been hard. I, I can um, even now I can't buy stock because I know there's other things going on. There's the insider trading. Well, Rick certainly got a good deal, especially with the fact that he's now got a, a senior secured position on the company assets. I'd say he absolutely. <laughs> but at the same time, <clears throat> we got a good deal. Again, all the arms critics, and I'm going to call you out. Go find me some money, and I'll do it. It's like everybody thinks there's a money tree out there. There isn't yeah. a money tree. So if you yeah. keep telling me Rick's got a great deal. I hope you got a good deal, but I think we've got a great deal. We got, we're secured for a few years. Think about it, okay? We have the Sprott machine behind us, okay? 
And I still think he's, he's the best investor of our time. And he's supported me since 1996, my very first funding. Okay. So this is not a one-time show. You know, I've known, uh, Rick has been a great supporter of ours. And if anybody you want on your team, tell me a better player. If of all these critics out there, who would you want to own your stock? <laughs> Come on, give me a name. <laughs> Why wasn't it done as just a private placement deal for shares? Do you see this as more advantageous? Of course. The stock was 12. Again, I just please remember this was a month, five weeks ago. The stock was 13, 15 cents. Did you want me right. to do $10 million at 10 cents? Think about it. You mentioned people talk about having raised the capital when they can, not when they need to. Well, I can tell you a couple of weeks ago, yeah. everybody yeah. was drawing down money big time. And it wasn't because Absolutely. They, it wasn't a can situation. It was a need no. situation. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So you have to remember that the January, you know, uh, people are hounding us about our salaries, hounding us about, you know, money. And it was hard to sit there, you know, and knowing you already had a deal. We had two deals on the table we could have signed but we chose the better one. We didn't have to give up other things in it. Um, and it was more money. And, um, you know, we, my goal is with a rising market, um, raise more money and pay some of this debt back. That's the goal. Right. And worst case is we got four years. As a matter of fact, um, it's actually five years. I can just pay a little bonus. I can extend it out to five years. But, you know, as you've seen, the sector's turned around and I, and I think equity money will come in. Um, but it, yeah. you know, this gives us the choice of saying no, if that makes any, and the power of saying no, because of pricing okay. and et cetera, it's very powerful in our industry. So, so you had other offers and, and Sprout was the most advantageous apparently. No, no, no. Okay. No, no. I said there was one other idea on the table. It meant also around nine to uh, around 10%. We're going to give something else up and I don't want to say exactly what, but so this was just a straight credit facility. There was nobody else. No, there wasn't. There, I don't have a. I don't have a, a Lucas Landin in my company, which can back things, right? And there wasn't many fundraisings really going on. So you have to look at what it was in January, December. And so there was one other option. We went with this one because we thought the board is easily considered by everybody a better deal, um, and it gives us flexibility over the next four years. Um, we believe that the spot price will continue to rise. Um, not just because of this virus, because we think this is a very crucial the next two or three years. A lot of contracts come off. So we think it's a good time to be in the uranium business. Well, Deb, I certainly agree with you on the <laughs> fact that you are not the highest paid CEO out there. So I'll certainly give you that. And the ones that you uh, are referring to do have much higher pay rates. And you know that we know what's funny about this whole thing, Deb, is, is none of them are cash flowing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and you know what? Everybody, look, you know, that. unfortunately, you know, I grew up in a time where if you didn't like the stock, you just sold it. You didn't sit there and go along and bitch about it. Unless, but these guys are short. The guys, I always ask everybody, what's the end game? They're short. If someone is short, they're going to bad mouth the stock. That's your typical, you know, douchebag approach. Uh, it's been used by lots of people. They short it and they start putting out reports. And today, obviously, in a, you know, in a uh, world of online, you can hide behind that keyboard all day. So that's yeah. so people are people are short for people who uh, I don't like the stock. I just sell it. If I don't like management in the stock where I come from, you just sell the stock. You know, unless of course you're short. 
then you you want to try to get other people to sell the stock and then you can pick it back up but um i've never understood people who want to short uh penny stocks i've never understood you know why anybody would do that because things tomorrow morning you know who saw turns off olympic dam these stocks will be up another 30 40 percent do you think they're still short in light of what's happened over the last six weeks um, I haven't checked the local, lo um, when it was around the last time it run to 25, I think we were short about 6 million. So I don't know what it is now, but we are trading okay. heavy volumes in the morning. I, I compare myself. I look at Denison, how much dollars they trade, um, and, um, next gen, but you know, if I, we made one mistake and this is on me because I listened to a board that didn't want to list, uh, we had a couple guys on there that just felt that we shouldn't spend the money to get listed because it's ours, Oxley. Thing, you know, there's very all the rules, but we should have listed, you know, uh, looking back, we should have listed in the US because uh, there's 10 times the audience and people are, you know, hold their stock a little better, I found in the States because the way the tax rules are done. Um, so that was one mistake. So we're trying to change that. We are, you know, trying different ways to reach that retail and institutional uh, uh, market. And back to Sprott and the warrants that they have, can you get them to come in early? Can you accelerate on them or do they have that four-year period? <laughs> um, I wish they were ready to, they were ready to exercise any time, but they have a four-month hold on. And hey, look, 3.4 million would be great, right? And um, they also know they have enough common sense. Rick is bright enough to know that, you know, you don't dump third 20 million shares. He's, he's a pretty smart, he didn't get where he did by knowing that. So if anybody, if anybody in the world I want to own that, it's him because he's brilliant and he sees, and he's got a long-term relationship with us. This isn't and, something that happened yesterday. So I would add that he's smarter than some of the companies he invests in. Yeah, he is. <clears throat> you know, he, you know, I have known Rich for some time and uh, he's not, I mean, he's uh, works very hard, very smart. And uh, he's one of the few guys that, uh, could just go 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 he loves uh you know uh helping investors so he goes through all these shows he's just yeah i have a lot of time for rick on a personal and uh, level um and but yeah again you know it's only 20 million of 500 million it's not 20 percent of the company it's very it's only the four percent of the company warrants that's you know um sure and if you notice our we don't have we haven't set any stock options either if you want to talk about uh, a board that cares about its shareholders, you know, our, our share, our, um, options are all, um, you know, I, I believe they're close to like almost 80 cents, you know? And so you haven't seen a board taking advantage of the crappy markets for five years. We haven't, we, we've been very careful. Um, if anything, yep. I would say we're being too careful, you know, um, you know, uh, it's, it's funny. People say, Oh, we overpay everybody. We lost a guy two years ago. Um, my manager of investor relations, he got an 80% raise to go to another group. So we do not overpay people. If anything, I would say we underpay our people. And Dev, where are you at as far as your shareholder ownership? How much shares do you have and at what cost base? Uh, my average cost base is around 50 to 55 cents. I have to check my latest numbers. And I've got about 5 million shares personally, fully to the six. <laughs> so okay. I'm underwater. <laughs> and can you just at the corporate level before i want to move on to cgn yeah. in a moment but can we talk sure. about just the people at the company can you just highlight a few people sure. that you'd sure. like to point out that are there and Absolutely. how are they helping to advance triple r right. to well i think we've got as good as technical team in the business and that's if you look at it 
um, you know, the highest um, compliment you can get is to win the Prospector of the Year Award. And um, very difficult to win. I believe only one person for uranium has done that, and that's Ross McElroy. Ross is not just very, very bright, good with people, humble, um, and a real, just a great team player, like in terms of, you know, if I ask him to drive four hours to do something, he'll do it. Or um, he, you know, cares deeply. And he's put together a great team, you know, Ray Ashley, fantastic guy. You know, then we also got some great people back in the office, a guy named Bob Hemmerling. He, uh, he's been with me since 1996. Um, you know, uh, it's, you know, you need luck too, right? Um, we were lucky to have a chunk of land and Hathor hits literally a hundred yards away <laughs> and we were able to build that and sell it. You know, um, we're, you know, we've had, we had great support when we were, uh, Strathmore Sprott, uh, used to want 20% of us when Mr. Eric Sprott was, uh, running the funds and, um, that really helped. So you gotta, you know, you gotta do the right things, but you need some luck too, you know, and the ministry has not seen much luck as you know. <laughs> Until about a month ago. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, let's move on to uh, to CGN here. So, sure. interesting position that they're in. They're just under a twenty percent owner um, in the equity. Right. Given CGN can likely not completely buy the asset outright due to possible conflicts on foreign ownership issues in Canada. Right. How do you see CGN going forward as a partner? What's their role as this project develops out? Well, you know, their end goal is they want to own. They they just want to, at the end of the day, all these guys want is just to have access to that uh, uranium when it comes to the land. That's the real end goal. And they have made a very, very large uh, commitment, obviously, right? They've been able to, so that's their end goal. Um, and they're great to have on the board um, because they are buying uranium and selling uranium. They know a lot from a trader's perspective. They're building mines um, and they're also building reactors. Uh, and I think they're as good as anybody in the industry for building the, I think uh, the SMRs, the small modular reactors. I, when I was in, um, back in 2014, I was able to go to their labs, um, well, what they could show of me anyways. And they um, showed me what they were looking at for SMRs. I really do think that's the future of energy is, not to have these large plants, but also have these small ones that can, you know, yeah. for example, um, hold the, the entire, you'd be nice for it to have our own SMR that, you know, next gen and ours can own, you know, that will give us enough power rather than diesel. Um, those kinds of things. So I think, so that's their end goal really is to get the end product and also to help us. You know, um, they got an excellent uh, young man there working, named Paul Ma, and he has done the odd interview uh, people, he's very articulate. English is fantastic, um, and he's a great um, a representative. So, yeah, they've been great supporters, and uh, they uh, have been very. Um, you know, when we obviously there are some things we're looking at, bigger things, and they've shown interest to support it. So, okay, you know, unfortunately, you know, like you, if you say the wrong thing, you can put a lot of people offside. You know, and so um, when people ask lots of questions about what are you doing, what you, you can't say much because, you know, the insider rules are pretty strict and nobody wants to get in trouble. With CGN yeah. as a potential development partner, 
First of all, what is the most likely financing plan for the project? And I, I want to bring this up because back in November 2017 at the Silver and Gold Summit, yeah. you made a comment that CGN was happy to give you more money. So what, what does that yeah. mean in the context of the project going forward? Sure, sure. Well, I think I know we um, there's advantage of moving them from 20 to 30, but there are disadvantages too, right? Because um, we would like to keep them at 20 because then you, they, it takes 30% to block a takeover. So you want to keep them, you know, you want lots of money in the door, but you also got to be careful how much you control you give people. Um, I, I do think if, you know, they under the laws right now could have owned 100% of us. The moment we go to development stage, they cannot. They can only own a half to half. So I think someday they'll have to work with somebody or get government uh, approval. Now, foreigners have bought uranium assets before. Uh, for example, Hafor was purchased by an Aussie company, and Michelin, Papaza, Newfoundland was bought by uh, eventually a Chinese, but an Aussie company. So you can buy assets in Canada, um, but you need exception from the government. And the government usually turns the insider players, the industry, saying, do you mind them selling it like a wedding? Who, who, you know, who in this room see the reason why you wouldn't? Well, same thing in this process. I don't, I'm not totally familiar, but I understand when the half or Michelin deposits, they would ask Cambico and Denison, do you have any problems with this? And they say, no, we don't. Now, the Chinese are obviously different um, from the Aussies. The Aussies are part of the Commonwealth. Chinese certainly isn't. So we'll, we'll see. But eventually, I think um, they would like a partner. But, you know, maybe the rules would change. I don't know. We're talking years out. But, I, for example, I, I don't know. I'll have to find out. Um, it, it's not like they give you a blank check. They say, okay, they bring it to you. They take it to their, um, we have board meeting. Paul will then take it to uh, his uh, folks. And um, it's a quite approval process, but I, you know, they've got a lot of money. Um, they're a multi-billion you know, billion dollar uh, company, but it's not a blank check. Um, they do want to see it developed. And that's why they, you know, if more, if Western utilities did what they did, they wouldn't have the problems they got today, because you know China uh, bought into us with the idea of production in the mid 25, 26. Um, that was back in 2014. They're that far thinking, right? But there's time to tell. Hopefully, we can. Uh, you know, again, everything comes to spot price. All roads lead back to that spot price. If it gets 35, 40, more money comes in, they get excited. You know, but it's still out there time-wise. Part of the financing, wouldn't the offtake be the best route given you have this partner? <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, you can. You can. You can. One of the best ways to do it is obviously to sell a stream, right? You want to sell a stream, you can sell uh, a royalty, uh, et cetera, et cetera. There's lots of different ways that you can fund these things or just plain debt, right? Just plain debt. You can do that too. Um, but we're away from that. My my focus is the next uh, three to six months to make sure we're well funded, and we want to take advantage of any. Um, uh, I guess if we get the right money coming in, <clears throat> maybe enough money we can pay the debt off this year. We'll see. Um, okay. That that be that's our near term focus. If they're going to buy tens of millions of pounds from you guys, that yeah. that would be a good start. So let's just talk a little bit more about. You make a good point. 
governments, the Canadian government and others do discriminate. And it depends on who that person is that's buying, who is the foreign right. buyer. And we know right. they discriminate whether or not they would like to admit it, they do. And that's just how it sure is. They do. Well, let's talk about the two pre-feasibility studies that have been done under right. for two different scenarios. Now, Vision, I understand, did a feasibility level work last winter for an open pit mine plan right. that uh, was maybe in the neighborhood of around $10 million. Maybe you can speak to the cost of that. Now, you guys have also released a underground pre-feasibility study. Mm-hmm. What's the right. thought with the sequence in which you guys did oh. that feasibility level work? And now you're sure. looking at the underground scenario. And can you speak to the sure. costs of what you've done there as far as these two different scenarios? It's not, it's not $10 million to do a feasibility. Uh, I can get you exact numbers, but I'll talk to um, Ross, Ross McElroy would know. What happened was when we um, – everybody always thought of it as an open pit because that's what, you know, the PA and everything else was. Um, and then when the RPA was doing the um, open pit one, they said, you know, you know, there's an underground. You could have an option of this if you did this. It wasn't that much money to get it done in only a few months. Um, but basically, it, it's a hybrid. It You can have uh, start with open pit and go underground. The main advantages of being underground is that um, you save about a year uh, in building the mine because the burn takes time and seasonality to it. It's minus 40 up there. And... Um, so you, you got to be certain restrictions on when you can build. So you would save a year and also save about $300 million. Of course, the downside is you're going to lose some of the uranium. When you do open pitch, you get every you know every last pound and ounce out of that because it's just a, it's a, tr- a trucking operation. So when you um, do underground, you're going to lose maybe 10% um, with any mine because you're not going to get it all. But at the same time, you know, MacArthur when they started mining underground, they, they doubled the resource because there was just, you know, it doesn't take a lot of space to add 50 million pounds. Um, and um, like a size of a, a large high school gym can be 50 million pounds. So um, so they there are advantages to both, but we looked at both simply because we wanted whoever would maybe one day buy the asset and was say, hey, I have an option to do both. Now, uh, one of the things you have to keep in mind too is that if you look at the history of takeovers and acquisitions in the uranium business, most of them happen to have be in Africa, you know, a number of them. And by the Chinese, because they like open pit. Open pit is a lot less risk, a lot, not a lot of risk. And that's why it goes back to why people like, a lot of people like our assets over others, because we're 50 meters from surface. Every time you go down deeper, your technical risks go up, right? And so this this ability to have both gives uh, gives the owner or whoever develops it uh, an option to do either. So advantages to both. One, you pick up more uranium. Other one is quicker and cheaper. So. And speak to the cost. So, so since 2016, early 2016, you guys had 82 million Canadian from CGN. Now you've prepared 2014. Two P- when did you get the 2004, money? 2014. You got the money from CGN, $82 million in 2014. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, again, maybe maybe I've hit my head, and it's already out here in, uh, on the West Coast. But, you know, uh, the the I'll, I'll check with it again. Uh, but bottom line is we did a lot of uh, exploration drilling, a lot. And that was, you know, looking back now, obviously, it, but we never moved the needle. 
the problem is once you get to a certain level, people say, okay, you got enough pounds, let it be, you know, uh, sure. same thing with next gen. Look, they, they move pounds from, um, our neighbors did a phenomenal job, but the market didn't care. Right. That's right. Um, and so did they spend their money? Was yeah, I don't know. I just know that, <laughs> that you want to, um, you got to be careful. Like people say online, when are you going to start drilling? When are you going to start drilling? I, I don't know, but you know, we are going to, we have to do some, we have to do some drilling to, for the feasibility, which we're going to do. Um, but I don't think people will care if we go from 150 million pounds to 160. I just don't think that kind of money is well used. I think we need to, uh, which we have done is really shifted to let's get the bank of feasibility down. Let's get that move towards production. I think that's the better way to go. Okay, so you guys have spent a sum of money over PEAs, pre-feasibility studies, two of those, underground, open pit, these different scenarios. How much do you expect to spend to get this sucker to a bankable, ready to go? Well, I think, and that's going to take a few years, but I'm saying you can do it over quickly over three or four, but you're really looking at $25 million uh, net-net. That's not including your GNA or anything else. And we just talked about it at the board level. You know, when we're looking when we need the money and how, what, et cetera. So we certainly don't have the money to get there, but we have enough money to start the process. Um, but that's, we're no, we're no different than anybody else. Nobody, none of our competitors sit on hundreds of millions of dollars and already go to production. Nobody has that. But the question is, is um, do you have money to move halfway? Yeah, we do. We can, um, we, we've got a few things we're working on right now. Um, that'll be announced as we move towards them. Um, but yeah, you probably need, uh, my rough estimate was with our team was 25 million just there plus plus and you know, everything seems to cost more, but, uh, to get to a bank visibility, we got some, we got some time to go, but I, that's why I, this money helps, but we'd like to be able to, um, uh, raise some other equities. And, and again, it comes back to spot prices. If the spot price is there, we will raise money. And we've, like I said, four firms came to us in the last few days um, saying, hey, we got our clients wanting to give you money, you know, of course, but there's so much volatility in the stock. Um, it's very difficult. Um, as I have learned uh, over my time is that you, um, you know, you, <laughs> um, you're always, uh, you got to be very careful um, with, uh how you raise money because when you have a volatile stock, you never win. Nobody can win. If you if you finance at 30, the stock drops 25, you may not get the funding. And if it goes from 25 to 30, people are upset that yeah. you did it, right? You, you can never win in a volatile market. As you know, the longer that this takes and drags out, as we've seen through this bear market, is you can spend a lot of money on GNA over a 10-year period, five-year period. Um, yeah. That really starts to add up. So it's, it's really destructive the longer this takes. I think we can all Oh, yeah. That. Oh, um, Andrew, you've nailed it. And you see it. There is no, you know, if I can make all my decisions with a, in a rear view mirror, that'd be awesome. You know, you, you make the best decision you have. Uh, with the information you have at that time. And to me, this fraud loan by far by our board was the best deal on the table. And more importantly, we knew it happened because I've known Peter and Rick for a very long time. Um, Peter's the CEO of Sprott, but he's also our banker all through the Strathmore efficient stages. And then he went to uh, work with Mr. Sprott as the CEO 
and then our bankers became Dundee and um, BMO and um, and etc. Yeah. So, you know, Peter was our so we have a long term relationship personally and that, and so we knew when they said we're going to do the deal, they'll do the deal. They weren't going to walk from it, and um, so when you know you've got something, you can. Um, you know, other people say Chase. I I just think you you money. There's different kinds of money. I call this really smart money. And um, and anybody who ever criticizes it, and I said, show me the money. Go ahead, show me a firm that would give me a better deal. A month ago, a month ago, show me somebody who would have given me a better deal. I can tell you, you I was barely getting texts back from our bankers, you know, because they're saying, well, yeah, and everybody was running and hiding, and here comes Sprott saying, we'll do the deal. Sprott definitely is uh, is smart, and when they yeah. get a first position on a debt deal, tell me that that's certainly smart of them. Well, let's move on here. Um, sure. I want to talk just more about the project specifically. I want to sure. quickly cover some specific details here, uh, questions that came okay. in. And, and I'll do my best. I'll, I'll do my best, but I'm not technical, and, and yeah. I'm warning no you in advance. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I understood. So under the preferred development scenario, which maybe you can mm -hmm. speak to what that is, what is your real estimated total cost per pound? Sure. Yeah. Again, this is pure projection, but we can tell you all day long they're saying seven dollars a cent. I think, you know, when you add everything back in, you've got to be in the high teens. That's just being realistic, right? Um, and everybody that tells you differently is just, you know, but the cash cost itself, yeah. But you gotta get your money back. You gotta make a profit, you gotta pay your loans back, and you got GNA, blah, blah, blah. So we've always said it's closer to 15 in there to 18, but you won't know until you do it. But the cash costs, look, cash costs, unfortunately, people look too much at it. They don't look at, you know, all in. And um, yeah. yeah, I mean, look at the cash costs of Cigar Lake. Look at MacArthur's cash costs, right? But they still shut it down. They still shut it down. So, you know, we need a radical change in the uranium price, I believe before MacArthur comes back. And and now that um, they shut down Cigar indefinitely, wow. I mean, I mean, how logical is it that a company stops producing, doing its, you know, what it's supposed to do, and their stock goes higher? Think about how rational that is. And your total cost, where are you at, 15 or 18? I would say in the high teens, we haven't done that, but um, that's our estimation, yeah. Okay, high teens, total costs, all in, okay. Yeah, 15 to 20, yeah. Very well. Do you see that Fission or NextGen will build processing facilities, or do you see that each respective company will build out facilities mm. independently? Um, I think when you're doing your uh, reports, I think you have to assume it's a standalone, okay, when you're filing your permits and everything else. But logic would say you would build it together. You know, um, I mean, Lee, Lee and um, Travis were just here uh, in January, or I can't remember, February. They came down, we had dinner together. We're good terms, you know. And, um, but I think um, the way you go about it, I'm told uh, strategically, as you see, is a standalone. But obviously, you can share a strip together. You know, like for example, in Points North, they have a strip that all the companies there used. And the same thing here, we would need to build our own, need to put an airstrip in. Um, so otherwise, in the, um, uh, in the winter, we use choppers and we use slow planes in the summer. Um, but now we'll put our own strip in, for example, there. And eventually, I would think you want to build a mill together, you know. But until you ink a deal, you just you just speculate. But I would think common sense you will want to do it together. And uh, this is what people believe. I, uh, you know, Lee and 
Travis Ross and I get along quite well. And do you see that fission, are you still open to possible toll arrangements depending on what happens? Sure. Is that something that's still being? Well, I don't think it's too far to ship it all the way over to the east side. Um, I think that doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, keep in mind, look at history. Um, Tough Lake, which is was just above us, um, the the road the government built <coughs> literally goes in the middle of our property. It's it's good for 365 days a year, that road. And um, so they built that. Andrew was only, I think, uh, I think it was 48 million pounds. I could be wrong. So 50 million pounds, they built their own mill just for that. Think about that, 50 million pounds. And now, if you take the numbers between next gen and then we're at 400 million pounds. So yeah, I think, I think there's enough history and common sense to say you wouldn't ship it all the way out to McLean Lake or whatever, but you would build your own mill. And speak to byproducts for a moment, Dev. Now, there's been some talk. You have some negligible gold yeah. byproducts yes. that has been yeah. mentioned. This is small yeah. quantity. And is it worth right. the time, separate processing effort, uh, or are there any other byproducts? Oh, sure. What's your thought? There's no, not another byproducts that I know, but I know that it's common for deposits on the West to have that. Cuff Lake had gold as well um, when Arriva ran it. So this is not uncommon. You just, you know, at the end of it, you put in a cycle and obviously you take the gold out whether it's 100,000 ounces or 200 you don't know uh, but absolutely I think there's a great opportunity I think you guys have stated there's around some 44,000 ounces I mean is it worth the time at this point I I'm, I think it is uh, it depends how much I'm told it is but again I'm not a technical person and I'm not we're not a gold company I know people like to talk about it you know as a gold kicker but that's not what we um, well, that's our focus. Understood. And will the feasibility study that you guys are going to start working on at some point, will that include <laughs> the zones that were excluded in the PFS? It depends if we can move the pounds. Yes. It, it, you know, we will, we're, one of the goals we hope to do is when we are doing a feasibility, you'll be able to do some infill drilling. And if you do that, um, you can uh, move the pounds from um, you, you can't use pounds that are inferred. They have to be indicated, okay? Um, so you can't, so I, if those pounds move in, yes. And if we can connect them, yes, they'll be included in the final one, yeah. Okay, and that'll follow up to this question. How much more drilling will be needed for the feasibility study? And will it be for just testing purposes for the feasibility or are you looking to add further size to the deposit? Um, yeah, it depends on how much money we have. If we have lots of money, absolutely we'll, if the more, as we go to fifty, sixty dollars uranium, and we can raise ten, twenty, and and add to it, absolutely we will. But it all depends on, you know, money, how much money we have, and what we're at. So yeah, you're, if you give me a crystal ball for the future, how much money I have, what the spot price, I'll tell you exactly what my strategy is. But I don't know that. You know, okay. we certainly we certainly hope that the markets will improve enough that you can raise money to grow the deposit because we only touched like. You know, there's so many conductors on our property, and but all uranium is in these graphitic conductors, but not all conductors have uranium high grade. So you got to do a lot of testing. Drilling is expensive; it is really expensive, um, and so you got to be careful. You do a lot of vectoring, you do a lot of work. But you know, we stopped all that extra drilling once we we didn't we stopped connecting. You know, we were lucky to find more pounds and etc. on land. It was great, the, you know, but the market's not rewarding people for adding pounds, right? 
they're not. So Fission has a good amount of people at the board and technical team level. Given Fission is a late stage development company in visibility, where are the mine engineers, uh, radiation uh, experts, et cetera? Or is this something that you are contract consulting out? Well, what we've done is we've got a couple of consultants we've added um, to the process. Um, Again, you have X amount of money. Okay, we're laying, we've laid off people, despite this silly idea that, you know, we're out of touch, that, we you know, we, for example, 2018, um, after we no longer even had people in our Vancouver office anymore. Finally, in 2019, we added one person to answer phone calls, and it was on a part-time basis. So we cut there. We've recently um, wanted to make sure that we kept as many good people as we could, but our, it's limited. Um, so we have the people, but... You don't need mine engineers quite yet. I think people think that you can just flip on a little switch and, uh, you know, well, we, are we making changes? Yes, you'll see changes. We are quite aware of the fact that we need um, uh, people as we get closer to production, but at the same time, you, we're still drilling, we're an exploration company. So it's a fine balance. Are you gonna grow it or are you gonna mine it? Well, hopefully you have enough money, you can do both. And Dev, looking back uh, over the last four years, and again, my information could be incorrect here, but I, yeah. I looked at it just this morning, and it yeah. appears that it's about four years. Um, the $82 million from CGN, do you believe all of this capital was spent responsibly? And yeah. would you provide the shareholders with a breakdown detail of where that capital went? Well, I think it's, it's called a financial statement. <laughs> they are filed, so I don't, we're not, it's not a private company. Where we hidden anything from anybody? I think here's a problem, okay? That I think the money was well spent. Um, you realize we don't have any debt. Some people have a lot of debt in our business. Um, you know, we take in a deposit and grown it. Look how well we've grown it. So I think the technical team's done great. Um, what we did realize about three years ago that every kind of time we put a good drill hole down, nobody cared. Our stock would actually fall back. Um, and then you got people who say, stop drilling, do nothing, let the uranium price go up. I hear it every day. Oh, do nothing, just sit back and let the price go up. Then you got other people's when the drills start ringing, right? So, but as for whether money was spent on it, I think so. Certainly wasn't spent on salaries, I can tell you that. Um, we, lo- we lost people because we weren't paying enough. So I'm not going to take that argument from anybody. I look at the facts. And plus, anytime people want to know where the money is spent, it's right there in the financial statements. And that's why I've auditor. So, but some part of okay. me wishes we weren't drilling the drill. I mean, I look back. Okay, if you told me for I if you told me way back when, okay, um, that if you can tell me way back when, six years ago, that uranium price would be here now, I wouldn't have done all that drilling, okay, because I would have saved the money. But the thing is, people. You have to remember there was a time in you know 13 and 14 where we were spending 30 million dollars a year on the ground, right? 30 million, right? Because that's and we had a winter program, we had summer programs, um, we spent a lot of money. But then we, as we went through the process, we realized, hey, you can't spend that kind of money. So we cut it down to 10. We really cut it right back once we, a certain point, you know. Again, it's really nice for all the armchair critics to say, well, did you? I mean, First, have you ever run a company before? Have you got a crystal ball? But at the time, you do what you can with the information you have. At the, and I believe we did. Okay. Um, um, but there are times you obviously think you should have saved more or drilled more. You know, you're never going to get it right, but you can do your best given the information you have. 
Okay. As far as breakdown detail, nothing further than just the financial <laughs> statements. Well, yeah, I don't mean. <laughs> Okay. Well, I, I'm a little confused by that question. Like, there's your financial statements. They're fully audited, and you there's uh, notes to it and everything else, right? It's it's okay. pretty broken down. And on the G&A cost front, I know that there's been some discussion okay. about cost reductions. You've mentioned them, yeah. Um, yeah. cuts to personnel, possibly salaries, facility cuts. Yeah. What are you doing here, Dev? And how serious is it to cut costs? And do you believe with the recent 10 million from Sprott? If you had to make that last, could you get two years out of that? Oh, absolutely. But you wouldn't get much work done. But again, the assumption in that is, the, 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 in that assumption in your question is the market goes flat again. You can't raise more money, right? That's that's the assumption. Um, we would continue, but I don't believe that's the case. I think the market will continue. We'll be able to raise money. But there's no old way of thinking about it. You, you... You hope for the best and you plan for the worst. Yeah. So I look at it going, making sure we can, and for that reason, um, you know, like as of 2018, we were aware of it, right? Two years ago, it wasn't something woke up yesterday. Oh my gosh. We were able to close down, um, save quite a bit of money. We started in 2000 summer, uh, about May, we realized, okay, we can cut back. So when we lost our head of uh, investor relations, um, 80 percent uh investment so i know we weren't paying people that much <laughs> um that uh we started cutting back then and then last year um we went to the i went to the board and i said guys we got to start with the top we reduce our fees each month and start taking more shares so that's happened then we went through a first phase of last fall laying off some people okay um and now we've got another phase coming up where you'll see more changes so we are, we hope it gets great, but we don't know. So we got to make sure we, so we're, I think you got to work on both ends. You've always got to try to stay lean, right? Um, I've told our, our team, you've got to do more with less. That's just something we have to do, right? Um, so that's just the strategy. And, um, you know, even if we uh, get more money, you just got to stay lean. You know, we're, you know, there's lots of little things that management does that people aren't aware. Like I've, I know other competitors that use limos. I still use Uber. Um, you know, uh, you know, uh, I like Uber. Um, you know, uh, great people. You hear great stories. Um, so I know. What's that? <laughs> there's, Anyways, there's people in the uranium business right now that are using limos. I won't say anymore. Um, anyways, my point is that. Um, uh, people have their own ways, but you know we're based in Kelowna first of all. So we, I, I know our office costs are low, um, and you know we're lucky that way um, per square foot. Salaries are low, so I can't. There's no so much you can do, but also key people. You sign contracts with them. If you let them go, and, and you got to pay them out for six months. So you got to be. It's not. It's not willy nilly. The most important part of a company are the people. So you got to be careful. I agree with that, certainly. When you look at your industry and you look at the group of uranium developers <laughs> and you narrow it down to Athabasca Basin and you look at your real only peer company on the development side, NextGen, do you believe that you are fairly compensated? Oh, I know that's the board to decide, not me. I mean, um, you know, I, you know, that's something the compensation committee, but I don't think asking for a raise when your stock hasn't done well um, it's not a good idea. So I've just left it. Um, 
but I probably, you know, the way we do it is low salaries and get bonuses if you something good happens, right? That, you know, that hasn't happened for a few years. And by the way, you're right, it's 2016. I'm thinking of the takeover bid, pardon me, <laughs> of uh, Lucas, forgive me. Okay. You know, people can draw their own comparisons here. There is disparity in the industry. Compensation, as you've said, is in some cases just outright irresponsible and pathetic. But again, I have to just point out that the shareholders are the shareholders and the boards are the boards. These people make decisions. Again, if yeah. you're buying a company that maybe is irresponsible in this regard, maybe you should yeah. reconsider your position. But let's move Absolutely. on. Absolutely. Sure. Let's talk it's, about it's been an uh, hour and I just I, I, I got a limit to the next 15 minutes. I've got okay. I've already pushed away two other calls. So if we can keep it to finish in the next 15 minutes, that'd be great. Thank you. So you've got a few other involvement over at Shine Minerals, uh, Rock Wealth Resources, uh, I believe mm -hmm. also Gallagher Security Corp. You've got Fission right. 3.0 and you've got Fission. Mm -hmm. right. Are you spread too thick? What's what's going on with everything? Sure. That's that's a great question. But I my responsibilities are very minuscule. I'm not sure. With shell companies, you might have you know two calls. Um, it's it doesn't take much time for any of those things. And uh, no, I you know I, I don't. I think it's funny when we were out marketing. This is a this is a, this is my thing that makes me laugh the most about social media. When we're out there traveling around, why are those guys traveling around? What they should be doing? They're mad at me when I was traveling around. They travel too much for marketing. Now, oh, they're out of touch. They you can't win, right? Um, are you doing enough? Um, you know, the, the, the reality is, is that you can get overboarded and you got to be careful with that. Um, yeah. And to me, I, I'm happy to turn over these, but I don't really have much responsible sample. I won't go into it, but Shine's really run by a couple of key guys. Um, same thing with a lot of these things. It's other people do it. Um, eventually you, I would like to step off some of these things, but I have responsibilities. You, you put people into them and, but they don't take much. I don't know. Shells don't take up any time, literally. They just, they don't, unless there's a deal happening. And then you'll see me always step aside. If once the deal, something happens, I step aside to a directorship role or whatever. Okay, let's move on just for the sake of time here. So triple sure. R timeline. Right. Let's say your name right. is $50 tomorrow. Right. How long will it take to get this thing finance permitted, built and in production? Give us a realistic timeline tomorrow, $50. If it's 50 bucks, you're you're still looking five six years out, um, okay. my view, right? You're anybody that says anything different. I mean, I know some of our competitors have given some crazy numbers, and but you know when when if you, in 2000, I would have said 2025 a long time ago, but now I'm looking at going, you know, to 26. It depends on how much. Sadly, sadly, almost like every question comes back to what is the spot price? If it's, it's if right now if it was 50 tomorrow, I know I could raise 20 30. 50 million and get that feasibility that much quicker. So I, maybe I can speed it up. It all depends on how much money we have because you can hire and do two, three things at once. Right now, we've got to do it, you know, you know, shoestring for now. There have been speculation and comments about Fission and NextGen getting together potentially to advance right. their projects, given the, how right. close you guys are together. Given mm -hmm. your relationship with Gen, right. could you guys, is this viable and would you guys get along for such an arrangement? Oh, first of all, I like Lee. You know, what Lee has done is phenomenal, you know, and he's a, a super guy to hang out with socially. Um, yeah, again, that's a decision for the boards um, to decide. Um, you know, we've got our challenges. We've got to raise money. They've got an issue next year of their debt coming due. Um, 
we certainly got everybody's got their challenges. Uh, money, there simply hasn't been much money around. And so uh, down the road, absolutely. If you know, Lee called me up and said, uh, "Hey, yeah, we should do something," I said, "Yeah, let's talk about it." You know, there's no, you know, um, again, if something happens, great. If not, you always got to, you've always got to plan to be on your own, do your own thing, and something comes along positive. Because if you're hoping for something to happen and you start building, you know, your story, that's silly. Because you don't control that. We don't control the board. Um, maybe they'll get taken over. Who knows, right? Um, or maybe they start taking people over. I do, I do think um, when you get markets turned hard, you'll see some consolidation of the basin. Um, it makes sense. So I'm not, I won't be surprised if it happens. I won't be surprised if it doesn't happen. But it's, again, the price of spot price. If it is 50, you will see. If you go in the last cycle, you saw a massive amount of um, mergers and acquisitions, just massive. Um, you saw, um, you know, roll up after roll up. You know, it, somebody would buy yeah. somebody here and somebody else. Eventually, Uranium One, you know, what it did. Um, yep. But yeah, I, I, I see that happening. And the guys with the bigger market cap will be the ones acquiring the one, smaller market caps. And Dev, in preparing for this show, just spending some time yesterday on it, it was clear that there was a group of investors who have a case to see you gone and another group who sure. wants you to stay. What is your plan <laughs> to bring these shareholders together? Uh, do you see right. the same issue first? And do you no. have a plan to bring them all back together to common ground to actually create value during a bull market to get triple R advanced? Yeah. What's your thoughts? My thoughts are is that I find it's phenomenal how when the stock goes up, everybody shuts up. <laughs> when the stock goes down, all the whiners are out there trying to make it go down. Are there some people, um, to me, um, I'm a number one, I'm a shareholder, right? You look at it, I want what's best for the company. Um, if I felt there was someone better with, without my relationships, absolutely. But to get deals done in our industry, you got to have relationships. And Ross and I have those, whether it's with Chemical or Rano, um, CGN, Kepco, um, Sumitomo, and getting things done, right? Um, absolutely, as we move towards, you know, I do see a time where I'll step down. And if it's the right thing to do, I always will. Um, you know, it's, uh, uh, you, you know, at the end of the day, I can't bring investors together, but I know investors are happy when the stock goes up. I don't know if you've noticed that. Um, like today, I don't see many people phoning me and bitching because the stock's up uh, 13%, right? Um, but yesterday, people were, on Friday, people were upset because they went down 10%. It's somehow, I'm like God. I can make stocks move. I'm not God. What we can do is build a story, tell it, build it, tell it. It's just like a bicycle, right? But the one thing I don't control is the spot price. Um, do we make some mistakes? Absolutely. Uh, we should have listed in New York, and that would have given us much more higher profile. But we're trying to adjust that. We're going to do some more market awareness. Uh, the reason I'm talking to you is to get the real story out, not the armchair analysis out, right? Um, I'm doing about two of these a week. Um, plus, we have lots of Zoom calls. Um, I was working, like, my handling phone calls on uh, Thursday night till about 10, trying to get a guys asking for financing, you know, and so it's, uh, I'm not, uh, if people don't, if they don't like me as CEO, my suggestion is simple, go to the board, put the shares together and vote me out. It's, that's a great thing about uh, public companies, right? Yeah. If you, yep. you know, if 60% want someone to stay and 40 to go, elections 
you know, look at the elections. Sure, maybe you don't like Trudeau, but he won. Okay, maybe you don't like Trump, but guess what? He won. And so, um, it's if you have enough votes, go to the board. Hey, get a get a board position, get control, and then throw me out. Sure, if that's what the shareholders want. At the end of the day, but if you look at every time we have, you know, um, we have these votes, we always win pretty handily. It's not like it's you know, 51, 49, they're 80, 90%. So Andrew, the facts are the facts, right? And maybe it'd be different. I don't control what happens, but I just know the thing that solves everybody is winning. You know, just Very like cool. uh, yeah, like baseball teams, like football teams, when they win, do people ask questions? No. When they go on a losing trick, oh, what's wrong, right? Um, so I think uh, it's easy to sit there on the sidelines and say this or that. But um, my job is to what's best for shoulders in the long run. That's my job, right? Um, and I'll continue to do that. Um, I have lots of support. I don't think, I, I don't know. Um, I'm not Lucas Lundin. He was able to do a funding at a tough time. But hey, hey we brought in money. Um, how many other financing uranium deals have you seen lately, Andrew? A few. What's, how big are they? Give me a couple of names. <laughs> Uh, Denison, Arzaga, Plateau Energy, Grace Capital. They're not uranium, um, they're lithium. Last I checked, they have a uranium project. No, um, they're not. Not at all. You, you're telling me Plateau uh, Energy with their lithium project down there is uranium. They have a uranium project. They started they're, off in uranium. They did, because I know it's called a Mascani. Mascani. Okay. They've gone to okay. lithium a long time ago. You got me, Dev. Nobody's raising money. <laughs> exactly. So you can ask me these questions, but I'm asking you, can you please instead of asking, put them in a context, put things in context sure, because sure. there is no, there's no money tree sitting out there. There's no sugar daddy saying, Hey, do you want some money at high prices? Look, we were very lucky to get CGN in very fortunate. And I'm very proud of that deal. There's only one offer Dev and it's old Rick. Peter G to be honest with you, it's, it's the lending side. You got to remember the lending right. side is quite different from the equity side, and the yep. two are very different. Sprott, in this case, is the sugar daddy. No, and you're absolutely right, Dev. There's no one doing 10 million secured deals out there in the uranium space. Yeah. I mean, Denison did even raise a little bit of money out of this uh, recently as well. So you're right. No one's raising you know, 10 million you know, like you guys just did. But it, you know what? It's it's more than that. Even the financing. If they didn't have Lucas, I wonder how much money could have been raised. Lucas put up 40% of the freaking money. But Lucas, that's why, you know, um, look at uh, Denison today. It's up seven cents, up almost 14%. And sure. because they always know in a bad time, in a bad market, okay, who can stay alive? That's the question, right? Yep. And yep. But even with all that power, they really started out doing four. And sadly, there's only one Canadian investor in that deal. The rest were European and U.S., if you can sure. believe it. OVX has Friedland, completely understood. Um, Absolutely. So let's talk about one other thing that came up sure. that I can't verify the sources or the information sure. on this, but is there an internal ethics inquiry or something going on at the company? I'm not, that's right. And am I going to go to jail? I'm not going to comment on any of that stuff. The okay. guy who writes that, it must be nice to live in Peru and write shit about anything you want and never get sued. But I want to know when these guys want to come to Canada, put their name on it, and let's see what happens. You can okay. you can write whatever you want. 
but it's nice to live in Peru and do say what you want and etc. So no comment. Very well. Exit strategy. Buyout or are you guys going to be? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Again, you know, if you people ask all these questions, assuming that to me, tell me what uranium price is and etc. But I would think, you know, uh, you you have to take okay, like you know, in those four by fours, uh, four by ones, when people one run after the other, one guy's running the baton, he never stops, so the guy can grab it and get it on the go. So the same thing you have to do as a public company, you got to work hard, work hard, work hard, and and then they can just so we're, we the day we made the discovery, Andrew, we started doing baseline studies, so when somebody came along. They didn't have to wait five years. So we look at it like, hey, we've got to keep going. We have got to keep. Um, so we're doing everything to get to production, right? Because you want to make sure the next guy coming in can carry it right through. Right. So why should investors who are listening and potential investors consider yeah. Fission Uranium as one of their uranium exposure vehicles, Dev? What would you say? The, the asset. The number one's the asset. Um, you go in the history, to me, there's only two places in the world to really make money, and I'll be criticized for it, is Kazakhstan and Canada. Kazakhstan is ISL, cheap costs, cheap labor. Canada, we have a great jurisdiction, and we have high grade. End of the day, what saves every project down the road is high grade. The Athabasca is there. So I believe you've got to be in the Athabasca. So you can't, you, first of all, you can't get very many deals in. Um, there's, nobody can walk into Kazakhstan and get a deal. So you got finally, you got to be in the Athabasca. And to me, there's only a few names. And I, I believe that our competitive advantage, okay, is that we're 50 meters from surface. In the history of the basin, there's not a single deposit that's left that's been unmined that was close to surface. Whereas you look at, um, I can name you how many deposits. I, there's a thing on our website, five deposits that were discovered a long time ago, and they're still sitting there because of technical risk. Right. So to me, um, I mean, it's up to you to decide. But to me, there's only three or four names, Denison, us, uh, NextGen. In some ways, it makes investors' life easy. Now, you may also want to take a shot at, you know, if you like country risk, sure, you can look at some stuff in Africa. Um, and maybe that'll happen. But to me, great is king. That's number one, number two, shallow, that you can, uh, less technical risk to go 50 meters and there's to go 500. That'd be the main reason. The asset speaks for itself. Okay. I prefer management as king. Uh, great as maybe queen or somewhere princess, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. um, but how about uh, audience that wants to reach out to the company and to yourself? Well, I think we got a website <laughs> and uh, you can, we, uh, you can, the investor relations, click on, reach me that way. Some people reach me through Twitter. You know, I do my best to get back to everybody, but there is other things I do besides giving interviews and media, but yeah. Uh, reach out to us through the website. It's easy. Well, Dev, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate you taking the time to <laughs> no worries. some of these issues. Oh, yeah. and, uh, no worries. Really an hour and a half is more than I thought, but sure. <laughs> looking no forward to uh, to watch what you guys are doing over there. Uh, wishing you the yeah. best of luck and appreciate you taking the time. No worries. Look, thank you for your time.